0: This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today. And we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Before we get into the interview, I want to announce if you don't know already, that Coffee Stains is now available for pre-order. On episode 99, I read the very first chapter of Coffee Stains, so if you would like to know a little bit more about the novel, head on over to episode 99 and you can listen to the full first chapter there. The pre-order is on Amazon, Kobo, and Bards and Noble, Pre-ordering helps me a little bit because it tells the algorithm that people are interested. If you're interested in coming-of-age stories, stories about strong female characters who have to make really difficult decisions, I think that Coffee Stains might be for you. Please share it with whoever you think might be interested. I'm very excited about this novel coming out. It's my third novel. It took a lot of work. The idea of the novel came to me 14 years ago so it has been bubbling under the surface and has been edited and rewritten several times and I'm really proud of the novel and I think that you guys are really going to like it so links are in the show notes as well come celebrate with me by pre-ordering it or sending it to somebody who you know will enjoy it now onto the show Hey everyone, welcome to the 101st episode of the Pencils on Lipstick podcast. It's October 4th, 2021. We are in the last quarter of this year. It is amazing and I feel like we're in a better place than we were last year. I hope. <laughs> I feel great. I have a wonderful guest for you today. Her name is Sula and we have Followed each other in the gram for a long time, and I just find her really inspiring. And she's a great writer. So I wanted to have her on, and we're going to talk about her writing life, her books, her author services, and what she's going to do next. And she's got some pretty cool things going on. So I'm excited to bring her to you, introduce her to you if you don't know her. All the links will be in the show notes as usual. You can find her books and her website, and you can find her on Instagram. Today, I am back from a little bit of a long weekend with a friend of mine. We went out to Kentucky. Beautiful, beautiful state. I am slowly getting to know some states that I haven't known. Flew into Cincinnati, never been there before either. Pretty cool town. If you guys don't know me, like I travel a lot, but on this... At the same time, like, I don't really know a lot of American cities. For some reason, they don't really call to me. I mean, we do a lot of things like uh, road tripping. We go out and see mountains. We go to the Grand Canyon. We do things like that, like family. And I've just never thought about going to Cincinnati. But we decided to go out to Kentucky and have a little girl time, a little writing time, a little rest and relaxation time, which is really Necessary. And I know that some people don't feel comfortable traveling. I thought it was perfectly fine. That's just how I am. I didn't get sick. It was great. I had a good time. And I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about rest. Because as a writer, and most likely if you are full time writing or you're writing while holding down a part time or full time job, whether that be at home with the kids, And running them around full time or another job outside of the house full time, it can feel like all you do is work. And I push back a little bit when people tell me that I overwork because the fact is I love writing, except for the fact that I am a person who needs to exercise. I have to move my body, I have to stretch it. I just, I like exercise as well. I like, being strong, um, or getting there. Yeah. Well, also getting there. <laughs> I would really probably sit in this chair all day long and write. I think the thing that really keeps me from doing that is my shoulder. And as I continue to get that better, <laughs> I would I sit here longer, but I want to talk to you guys a little bit about rest because last week, um, uh, leading up to going into this longer weekend, I was feeling really depleted, just really, really depleted. I had to hand in a short story for one of my classes and the short story that I had spent a lot of time just sort of, you know, banging out on the typewriter. When I printed it out to edit it, it was just really rubbish. It was really bad. Um, What I had in my head or what I thought it was in my head, it was not at all. I can still go back to it, of course, and sort of make it into what it needs to be. And granted, it's a first draft. So clearly, you know, it's just kind of like word vomit at this point. But, you know, I had to hand it in. And so I'm always hoping that things will be better, <laughs> like pretty decent one time around. And it's never that way. Something Sula and I talk about, actually, you know, your your first draft is never good. So I don't know why I always like kind of hope and pray that it'll be different this time. So it was rubbish. It was really bad. It was not what I wanted it to be. I think I wrote down like what I thought was quirky and fun. It turns out to be boring and incoherent. (laughs) So you can imagine what that is. Um, I I think I just needed some rest. Honestly, I did come up with kind of this ending for another um, short story that I'm working on. For a contest that I've signed up for. And I kind of wonder if it's a bit cliche. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure about it. So I'm excited to get back to it and sit down and write that out after a long weekend away. But rest is necessary. I could sit here forever and and work on my book. And yet I will come to a wall and realize I need to get out. You know, I run this house, I have three kids, I'm the one that drives them everywhere and make sure everyone gets school done and homework done. I I homeschool one of them. My husband works really long hours and always has. My house is actually a mess because I need to clean it more often, but I'm also trying to run a creative writing community and get my own writing done. And so I'm always doing a lot and I love it. I really, really love it. I love sitting down and talking into this microphone, pretending that people are listening to me. I love writing and thinking about the people who will read the book. I just love it. But I came to this place last Tuesday that I just thought, what the heck am I doing? I don't have any good ideas in my head. If you ever feel like that, just know that you're not, you're not alone. Yeah, I thought, what? What am I doing here? What am I, what am I thinking? How could I have thought that this was gonna work out? I was pretty down on myself. So I thought about. I remembered this book that I had read in twenty seventeen, the twenty eighteen actually, the year that I read fifty two business books. Or no, that's too many. Twenty five. I was <laughs> like, no, that's every week. <laughs> that's not right. I read, I read twenty five two a month plus one. Some of them are easy, but this is called Rest Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. And it's by Alex Soojong Kim Peng. And it was honestly an easy book to read. I highly recommend reading it. He looks into a lot of the great artists uh, and scientists and how they got more done in a world that was slower. And gave a lot more emphasis to rest. Um, In this world, we really overwork ourselves. And I don't think that it's really getting us many places. Now, of course, there are times, you know, like, I'm sure Thomas Edison or, you know, Newton or whatever, all these scientists, guys, there were times that they sat in there their lab for hours and hours at end. I've read a few Madame Curie books that said that she could be there for, you know, days and would forget how to eat or to eat. I'm sure a lot of painters were like that and writers. But on the other hand, they didn't do that 365 days a year. They uh, really believed in taking a lot of walks. They really believed in re-energizing themselves they took care of themselves in a way that we don't really do and as much as self you know help or self care is a thing these days it's not really about buying the expensive lotion and slathering it on you or it's more about you know taking the bath if you like it taking a walk taking a 5 hour hike and not feeling bad about not editing your book or writing your book, like really, really deciding that you're not going to not only not feel bad, you're going to revel in this moment of walking or revel in this moment of being in the bathtub, of really re-energizing yourself. I know that it's not super easy these days of COVID. I want to say dwindling COVID, but who knows? But it's not impossible. It's really not like sitting down and thinking of what would re-energize you, what would just help you get your creativity going in a whole different way by sort of turning off your brain for a moment. Is it going to a movie? And if that, you know, if you're still kind of apprehensive about the the virus, like go at those 11 a.m. ones (laughs) if you can, where no one's around. Um, is it taking a walk? Is it trying out a new, you know, yoga class? Is it doing yoga at home? Is it gardening? Is it taking a bath? Like not feeling bad about doing this because it's not only going to re-energize you, it's going to help you with your relationships and your family. I really noticed when I was hitting this wall and feeling bad about my story. And like, I just didn't talk for like a few hours while I was driving my kids back and forth and stuff. And I was like, I'm just I know if I talk, I'm probably going to be crabby. So I'd rather just not talk. <laughs> you know, but it's like, oh my gosh, I just need to get out of it. So I I want you to consider what I'm saying and consider thinking about something that will spending an hour and re-energizing yourself and not re-energizing yourself in a way of like thinking, how am I gonna end that book? How am I gonna end that book? Literally turning your brain off, your writer brain off. And just going out and looking at other things, looking at the world, having a conversation with somebody new, going to the park and swinging with your kids. I guarantee you that something new will come to you, something creative will come to you if you just let go of that writer's brain for a second. So before I go on to the interview, I want to remind you guys that the creative writing community is closing this month for a few months. I'm going to Nepal in November Um, we will open up again, probably in February, maybe March. So if you really want to get some writing done over the holidays and you want to get together with other people who are not only serious about their writing, but serious about having fun and coming together as a community talking about their books and finding some camaraderie and support. We read each other's work. We give feedback. We help each other out with things when we're stuck. We have some great guests coming in to talk to us. Mal Cooper's coming in. Uh, She's going to be great. Book Brush is actually coming in tomorrow. So you'd have to get in like today if you wanted to see them, October 5th. We have Ross McNeekin coming in just to talk to us. About uh, short story writing. We have a lot of others coming in in 2022. You're not going to want to miss out on them. And plus, in the community, you get access to all the recordings of every single person, expert, and writer who has been in our group and come talk to us. So, if you want to do that, the links are in the show notes. And I hope that you enjoy this interview with Sula. And I'll see you next week. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast, episode number 101. I am with Sula Christodoulou. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. Awesome. (laughs) Welcome, Sula. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you. We have sort of been following each other on Instagram, so it's so exciting to be able to see you sort of in person on Zoom, I guess, and chat with you about your writing. Yeah, it's great to be here as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, before we get started into the, your actual writing, will you let everybody know a little bit about who
1: you are? Yeah, of course. Uh, we've introduced me. I'm Sula Um I have an educational background, so I was in teaching for about ten years. Um, I did a PGCE in my late thirties and became a teacher when I was forty. Taught for ten years, and I didn't actually teach English. I taught business studies. Oh. So, my background is business and corporate sales, and cut a long story short, towards the end of my ten years in school, things started to get quite hairy at home and at school, which in all honesty, got on top of me and got me thinking about what else can I do because I couldn't cope with the stress of being in school and teaching and everything that came with it. So I, Firstly, took a creative writing course back in January 2015. And really, that was just something to get me out of the house and focus my mind on something different in a different way, trying to be more creative and move away from that kind of corporate, regimental, you know, tick box kind of life that my school was kind of imposing on all teachers, not just me. And by the end of that year, I handed in my notice at school, not particularly to follow a career in writing, to be honest, but just because I thought enough is enough, I need a break. So I took the plunge. Some people thought I was mad. Others thought, my God, that is amazing. You've made a brilliant decision. You go with it. You know, you only have one life, that kind of thing. And to be honest, I've never, ever looked back. And wow the following year I spent a lot of the time kind of like writing doing my own thing I continued with the creative writing classes and then within 18 months I published my first
0: book so that's really my my story (laughs) that's amazing oh my gosh so looking back like further into childhood or anything was writing ever on your radar as a you know, creative writing, or did it really just blossom later on in life? I've always liked writing,
1: and as a teenager, I did keep a diary, you know, like we all do, you know, boys and school, and I fell out with this friend, and I've got my new jacket, and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Some of it really embarrassing when I read back over it. (laughs) But then it wasn't until sort of I got into obviously university you know lots of writing back then we didn't have computers everything had to be handwritten we had to sit in the library for hours if we needed to do any research so lots of copying lots of writing and I didn't ever really complain about it I just got on with it yeah so I think reading and writing has always been a big part of me and a big part of my stepping stone when I've wanted to kind of like move from one point in my life to the next, whether it be career, whether it be, you know, hobbies, whether it be a way of coping with what was going on in my life. So yeah, I think writing has always been there somewhere in in the background though, never, never in the fore until I started writing novels really.
0: Right. Well, I don't think we're of any generation that we're told you could go be a novelist. And like, <laughs> your yeah. parents. I don't know about you, but my parents were like, no, <laughs> go get a real job. Uh, the world runs on money, you know, so I'm not sure. if th- I think that subconsciously it must have affected us, you know, because yeah, like you said, we just had to get on with life. You have to find a job. And you have to work and you have to do these things. But so, Yeah, the push is always
1: to do something that earns you money so that you can live and be independent. And I suppose writing hasn't really given me that. It's given me freedom in terms of Mm -hmm. how I spend my time, how I organize my time. But writing and the books themselves haven't given me the income I need to live sustainably and well from month to month. Right. That comes from other things that I now offer as a spin off, which have developed as a result of me becoming an author.
0: Okay. All right. So, the uh, Writing for Life, the company that you have, the author services, that started after you. Yeah, very much so. Teaching. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not unusual for authors to do other things, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean initially I carried on teaching I was teaching privately at home I had children's okay. creative writing classes but you know that that was quite hard to sustain to keep going it was it was a lot of hard work and expensive to advertise those kinds of classes locally but then through building a following on Instagram and on Twitter I realized that there were lots of newbies out there in terms of writing, people that wanted to write but were afraid, were afraid to take the first step and weren't quite sure who to turn to for help. And again, very often didn't have the money to pay hundreds of pounds for a mentoring program or, or, you know, to sign up for for a university module or, or anything like that. So what I offer is very bespoke, it's very individual. i put different programs together for different people based on their own requirements. It's almost like mm. an individual education plan, which children have at school, but for
0: orphans. Right. Yes, <laughs>
1: that sounds amazing. So it, meets, it meets their own, yeah, it meets them at, at the point in their journey where they're at. And it takes them hopefully through to the point that they want to get to. So we work together on
0: reaching their goals in relation to their writing. That's amazing. So really, your teaching years allowed you to be able to make individual plans for people. I mean, I can't imagine just any writer being able to individualize a teaching plan. You know, that must really come from your background in teaching. Yeah, understanding that.
1: Yeah, absolutely Kat. I think there was a lot that I learned in the field of education which has really really helped me and supported me but also allowed me to very sensitively and collaboratively work with with other people. You know, it's it's a hard thing sharing your writing with someone for the first time, especially if you haven't got any formal background in writing or creative mm. writing which so many people don't. And that's fine. I'm not saying it, it's a no-no. But, you know, having somebody who's not going to come down heavily on, on the criticism, I think is important because however hard we try, you know, somebody saying something isn't quite right with our writing, is isn't always easy to take it not personally. So, the way that you feedback and the way that you know what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Some people find it hard to separate their writing from who they are. So, a negative comment hits them right in the chest and in some cases might prevent people from carrying on. You know, and very often with a little bit more effort and a little bit more tuition and support and learning the craft of writing, something that is initially perhaps not so great, can become something absolutely amazing over time. And I think that's the other thing that people don't realize about writing. Your first draft is not going to be amazing. I mean, my first draft is never amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's like yeah. a spewing of ideas because there's so there's such a big process to writing. Like you have an idea, you have some characters, you have to really Figure out the setting and then the plot and then what's going to happen and then the middle and then the end. And then it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many things. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. think that we, for some reason, we think the books we read are like maybe the second draft. And you want to say, like, no, it's probably the 20th. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know? at least, at least. <laughs> but you know what? Once you've explained that to people and they understand the process that fear of failure falls away. And that's quite an empowering thing to be able to use to people, you know, to be able to shape and mould the way that they think about their own writing and support their journey in such a way that, you know, that not only ends up being a, a success for them, but also is true to what they want for themselves as well. And I think that's important too. It's not about regurgitating what I've written or what someone else has written or the way that someone else writes. It's about being true to the way that each person wants to write and wants their story to be told. It's about honouring their own voice. We hear a lot about voice, don't we, in writing. And that's really what it's all about. And that's what I try to do. And hopefully I'm successful at doing that as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty awesome to have like a personal teacher who can encourage you in finding your voice instead of, I mean, there's lots of courses out there, but they don't always, they're not individualized and they don't always answer the questions that you might have as a beginning or even not a beginning writer. You might just be thinking, but how do I find my voice or why is this wrong? Or why can't I use this? Form or what, you know, second person or whatever, you know, like in having you right in front of them, I would think that that's really nice. I mean, going back to like sharing your work, the reason I never signed up for creative writing classes when I was younger is for that exact reason. What if I share my work and everyone hates it? Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) But actually, if somebody hates it, you've got, you've already got a big, big jumping, a big, step to make that will improve what you've done if you start well where do you go from that so you know look at you know turning it on its head and looking at it from a positive point of view actually negative comments very early on in your writing or in your writing career you know is probably a good thing <laughs> I like that attitude I wish I had
0: known you 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> So Aww. let's go back a little bit to you when you um started this creative writing class. Yeah. Did you already have in mind like that you wanted to write a full story or a full novel? And if not, when did when did the novel idea sort of get planted and become yeah. an actual novel? No,
1: I mean, when I joined the creative writing class, it was really just to give myself an outlet away from home, away from work, as I said, but part of that course encouraged us to think about the story that we would want to write if we had the opportunity to do so. Okay. And we were invited to write the first chapter of whatever that novel or story might be. And that's what kind of bloomed into my first novel, which became Broken Pieces of Tomorrow. Oh, I love that. So what yeah. is
0: that book about? Tell us a little bit about
1: it. It's a contemporary romance. And um, it's, it's a semi-biographical story, so it's partly based on my own life, but it's a coming-of-age novel as well. An older woman whose marriage breaks down, and she has to navigate a whole new world in order to not only, you know, fix everything that's broken in her life as a result of the marriage breaking down, but in order to, to find herself, because mm. she's lost herself somehow in being married, you know, being the wife, being the mum, being the daughter, being the daughter-in-law, um, she loses herself. So actually, in finding her broken pieces of tomorrow, she also means her own self and her own mm. personality comes through again, bigger, stronger, wiser. So, um, Yeah, it's a very relatable story to a lot of women and men who who have surprisingly read it and enjoyed it too. But, yeah, I mean, it's very much a story of real life. You know, this can happen to anybody. This could happen to you. It can happen to your neighbour, your friend, your best friend. And I think the writing is very realistic as well in that. It's quite raw in places, it's emotional. I remember crying my eyes out writing parts of it as well, those parts that were really quite close to what actually happened to me as well. And I think that, again, comes through in the story. And I've had many people over the last few years contact me to say, Gosh, I didn't realize that actually what you said in this part of the book has really opened my eyes to this in my own relationship or has pushed me to do this in my life. And to be honest, those comments are the best comments for me, you know, that my book has helped somebody come out of a situation or improve their own situation
0: For me, that is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that really is. I mean, I'm a firm believer that fiction can teach us probably more than nonfiction because nonfiction, while it can be helpful, can get a bit preachy. (laughs) You know, it it can, you can go into it a little defensive or already agreeing with the author, you know, all these different things that come up as we are humans. But fiction, like you go in just to be entertained. And then you open your mind to learning something. It's like, oh, I can see myself there. Or, oh, I can understand, you know, my spouse or my kids or my friend better because they're kind of like this character. And maybe I can change myself. (laughs) Yeah, I (laughs) think
1: you're right there, Kat. I think connecting when you're reading for pleasure, when you're reading, you know, because you've got half an hour to sit down and relax. And, you know, the real world kind of falls away and you're focused on whatever it is you're reading. I think you tend to connect emotionally as well with the characters and what's happening to them. And very often it's easy to recognize things that are happening to a character Mm. as something that maybe is happening to you or somebody that you know. And that emotional connection is what keeps us reading. And I think that's really important as well, connecting emotionally, you know, whether it be, you know, joy whether it be pain whether it be fear hope but all those feelings that come through i think you know add to the enjoyment of any book yes
0: yes absolutely so do you encourage the the writers that you work with to take elements of their life and sort of fictionalize it is that a good starting point do you think
1: it is a good starting point i mean it depends on the story that each person is writing I mean, fantasy is a little bit different, but then with fantasy, you can still take something that is real or something that's happening in real life and just exaggerate it, Mm. you know, and take away the, the standard boundaries or obstacles because in fantasy, you can get rid of all those kind of things that we tend to put in the way of ourselves. So, yeah, I'd say yes, definitely, you know, and reading back, you can say to people, you okay you've just read that piece of dialogue for example does that sound real to you can you imagine mm. yourself having that conversation with someone or well, if not maybe there's something that can be done about that
0: yeah yes yes that's that's great advice to read back your dialogue because dialogue is <laughs> can be difficult to to write but then it can be difficult to like to not to see that it's not real you know like so you can be writing I don't know about it over um you're in Britain right yes so I I know here in America we don't we use contractions all the time like I can't I'm we're you that's how we speak but we tend to write out all the words (laughs) we type them all out like everyone's talking very proper and cannot do anything I will not (laughs) it is like nobody talks like that I know
1: I know no and you're so right and so many people make that mistake and then of course you have those people that go the opposite to the opposite extreme and they add the oh and the well and the uh and all that all those kind of like hesitant you know sounds and gestures and then the tags at the end like don't they and are we and shall we so actually taking away the beginning and the end and just leaving the raw dialogue in the middle is actually what we want. And that's what we aim for.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. A very good teaching moment. <laughs> so as you went through this course and you you came out with this book, what made you keep going and keep writing? Did you just have that bug? Did you have a lot of stories in you to tell? Like, At what moment did you say like, It's not just one book I have. I have, I mean, you have poetry, you have short stories, you have several more books. You know what it was, Kat?
1: I just felt a bit lost once Broken Pieces of Tomorrow was finished with. I felt like, what do I do with my time now? You know, and yes, I had the private tuition, but private tuition isn't all day, every day. You know, it's Mm. two, three hours in the evening, you know, two, three times a week. And then my mum actually got ill with cancer. And, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, sitting side by side with her, talking to her. And inevitably, we went back to, you know, what life was like when she first came to the UK. Our background is Greek Cypriot. So just listening to her and her stories of what life was like back in the 50s, kind of planted the seed for the next novel and then I was I just ran away with it I was just in there doing research and talking to people and my dad and other family members and you know anyone that would talk to me that was Greek Cypriot that knew anything about Cyprus in the 1950s I was there (laughs) I wanted to speak to them I wanted to know it all (laughs) yes and then the
0: summer will come
1: came about so that was the second novel
0: oh that's amazing so is it based off of your mum or is it, it did it come just it just blossomed out of her stories again it's semi-biographical
1: based on on mum's stories and dad's stories of cyprus but there's lots in there that I've taken from other people things that happened at the time so it's a fictional story set against a real historical timeline of Cyprus at the time. And it just, you know, amazes me the stories that people spoke to me of. It was, you know, I keep going back to those emotions and how writing becomes really emotional. And this one for me was even more emotional than the first one. It was an absolute roller coaster. And it's received a lot of attention because that time in Cyprus is very well known amongst the Greek and Greek Cypriot and Turkish Cypriot community, but not really in the wider world. And actually getting the book out there as a fictional novel has meant people who would otherwise have never picked up a book about Cyprus in the 1950s have actually read about the history of cyprus and mm. understand a little bit more about what cyprus has been through and why cyprus is in the situation you know that it is now as well so it's a book that i think has taught a lot to a lot of people and it was also selected as a book club read in the festival yeah the, the festival of learning club here in the UK across Barnet libraries so again it was it was highlighted as a book to be read where you can learn something from it which yeah. I thought was fabulous and it was a huge honor to be selected
0: yeah that's amazing yeah I mean if anybody is ever lacking for ideas it's just talking to the other generations especially if you're a family that has immigration stories like why get to the like why did you leave what was it like and you never know what will come of it because I find that generation they never share their stories. you know they don't feel like anyone really cares and so they've just out of habit eventually they just don't ever share them and they're lost you know if they leave us they're lost forever and a lot of countries in this world have histories we should know about. That's right. And I think for a
1: lot of people, it's painful. I mean, for some people that spoke to me, you know, it was very obvious that they may have spoken about something like this, but years and years ago, and being able to speak about it openly in confidence as well, Mm. that's the thing, was almost like a relief for them. You know, it released something that they've been holding onto for all these years. And I think you're right. I think all these stories of immigration do matter and they do create stories that matter because once that generation of people are gone, we haven't got anyone to turn to, to speak to and say, what was it like? You know, what did you go through? You know, what did you experience? How did it feel? Where did you end up? Was it what you'd hoped for? And I think there's a lot of stories now coming through that link to, you know, those stories back to, you know, the day where, you you know, people were forced to emigrate. They were forced to move to countries that they never dreamed of ever having to live in, let alone, you know, grab their things and just run very often with just the clothes on their back. Right. So I think that the story relating to immigrants is is important worldwide, wherever in the world they're being told, they really are stories that matter.
0: Yeah, yeah. And humans are very complicated because just because your, your parents are here with their kids in the UK, and I assume, rationally happy, doesn't mean that they didn't go through hell. yeah. Yeah. Or that they wouldn't have in a small sense preferred to have been in their home country. You know, I mean, yeah. my husband is Spanish and we live in the US now. We, I tell people all the time, leaving your country is a big deal. Whether you choose yeah. to, or like you said, you're forced out or circumstances happen where you need to, to flee. It, it's a big deal to yeah. leave. It
1: is a big deal. And, you know, so few people, especially like, say my kids generation you know they're in their 20s they don't think about that you know it's easy for them to fly from one country to another on holiday they don't think about the people around them and you know how they've ended up here or how they've ended up somewhere else you know and what they've had to go through to to be there and to survive as well right You know and it's it's not all grim you know there's lots of wonderful stories about people that have turned their lives around Mm -hmm. and there's lots of hope and there's lots of positivity that comes out of it i mean i love walking down my street and hearing polish accents romanian accents you know people talking turkish greek italian spanish i mean you know, I've, I've got, you know, the whole of Europe and further on my doorstep, which is yeah. incredibly amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love that too. I I'm a traveler at heart. I would change. <laughs> I would change yeah. every few months if my family would let me, but <laughs> <laughs> so I know on your Instagram, your Greek heritage, your Cyprian heritage really influences what you share with us as your followers and so it sounds like it has influenced one of your books does it influence purposely a lot of your writing or do you, do you find that it just sort of ebbs and flows
1: I think it does I mean a couple of people were disappointed that in my last novel Alexander and Maria I didn't make Maria a Greek Cypriot they were like <laughs> why isn't she Greek Cypriot <laughs> and i in a way, I consciously did that. I wanted to see if I could create a character that, that wasn't Greek Cypria. Okay. Um, because the first two books do have Greek Cypriot characters mm-hmm. in them. And nobody's come back to say, oh, she's a really odd character, isn't she? We couldn't work her out. So I think I've managed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I suppose... You know, inevitably, my experience is going to be influenced by my heritage. And I know I, con- you know, I consciously want to keep that connection. I consciously, I consciously want people who follow me or read my books to know that I'm Greek Cypriot. Yeah. Yes, I was born in the UK, but I am a Greek Cypriot. I speak Greek. I write Greek. You know, I cook Greek food. (laughs) I know, it looks amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We have parties and we dance to Greek music, as you've probably recently seen as well on my Instagram. (laughs) So I like that. I like that. And I think also I don't want to hide my heritage. I don't want to... To not be Sula Christadulu, you know, this is who I am and my heritage is a big part of me. And I hope I, you know, I hope I share that part of my, my life and my culture in a positive, you know, lighthearted way. You know, I'm, I'm not preachy. I'm not saying, you know, you have to celebrate this or you have to do this in this way. It's just that, you know, I'm, I suppose I'm being real cat. I'm saying, you know, this is my life and this is what I eat and this is what I do. And this is the music we listen to. And I I quite like that. I I like the fact that I can share
0: those things with people. Yeah, I think it encourages anybody of, you know, whether you, you know, third, fourth, first generation, doesn't matter, like to look into your heritage because most of us are all Something from somewhere at some point, you know? Yeah. Just yeah, it's true. Embrace it and be part of it. And don't, even if it's been lost, maybe revive it, but don't lose it either. I think we should all be proud yeah. and curious. It's always good to yeah. be curious and go back and see. And I think you do encourage um, your social media encourages everyone to do that. I mean, otherwise, we would be very generic. You know, yeah. let's embrace who we are, what we like, what we do. And like we've said before, your fiction books can teach other people like wow, that sounds like fun. Maybe I'll go to Cyprus. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I loved it when I was there. I thought it was beautiful. You need to go back. Aww. So in 2015, you started a writing course. It is 2021 now.
1: Yeah.
0: There have only been six years since then, and you have <laughs> you have written, oh my gosh. So you have written four books. One is poetry, correct? Yeah. Short stories. How how have you gotten that much done while tutoring writers and catering to you know individualized writing services? What is your writing process? Do you write every day? Do you write 12 hours a day? Like what is how are you writing so quickly? When
1: I write, when I sit down to write, Kat, I am totally in the zone I don't know if everyone knows what I mean when I say that but it's like I disappear into the book okay and I forget to eat I forget to drink I'm literally there hammering away tap 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 on my laptop and I just keep going I mean there are days where I might write you know 15,000 words in a day wow and my process is one that if I'm writing, I won't stop to answer the phone, even if it's my mum. <laughs> and then I get a I get a string of messages from her. I've been trying to call your day. Where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you picking up? <laughs> I'm writing, mum. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mum, it is a job, you know. <laughs> so I'm very disciplined. And then I suppose the The time management comes from, I've always naturally been very good at managing my time and kind of like dealing with lots of different projects at the same time. Teaching as well was very much like that. I had I had my teaching role, but then I had an additional four teaching and learning roles on top of my teaching role. So again, I was very good at juggling and managing my time. And I tend to do that. With the writing as well, I've got a diary. I write everything down in the diary. And sometimes I have to remind myself to stop and have lunch. Normally when my stomach starts rumbling, I'm like, oh, I haven't had lunch yet.
0: <laughs> so do you, do you plot out this story beforehand? Like in The Summer Will Come, mm-hmm. did you do your research beforehand? Was it while you're writing? Is that how? Yeah, you know what? I'm a really messy writer.
1: I'm not. A, I'm not a plotter, and I'm not really a panther. I kind of do a bit of both. I have an idea of the story I want to write, so that's a starting point, and who my characters are. Okay. And then once I start writing, once I'm maybe sort of seven or eight chapters in, I'll sit down and I'll start plotting a timeline and a little summary of each chapter and that's when i kind of more consciously think about like where's the story going you know where's the catalyst going to go where's the debate going to go oh where's the b story coming in where's the where's the fun and games going to be you know so that i've got that that up and down flow you know within the work but having said that, I might get to the end of the story and think, oh my gosh, chapter 27 should come a lot sooner. It should come before chapter 15. And then I have to go back and rewrite everything so that it fits into the new timeline. So, as organized as I am, and as organized as I am in managing everything, when it comes to managing my writing, I'm not so good at that, if I'm honest. I kind of, play around with it and move things around. And I never really have a 100% plan at the beginning of of any of the stories. I keep saying, I'm not going to do this again like this. I'm going to do it differently with the next novel. And I'm editing my fourth novel now and I'm in exactly the same position. <laughs> I say that as well. I was working on it this morning and I've moved all my chapters around and now I'm going to have to read it again from the beginning and change, you know, the details so it all fits in, you know, chronologically and in order. And, oh,
0: anyway, it's fun and games. And you know what? It, it's fine. It'll come good in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it is a lot of work. I think sometimes the editing portion can feel like more work than writing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to write out a lot of background and it seems like yeah. it's mostly for me because it ends out getting cut because, because as yes. it should, you know, but, you know, editing is a lot of work that I, I'm not sure a lot of people understand, but yeah. it's well worth it to get the book to where you want it want it to go yeah you know I, I love the
1: editing part this for me is the best part and I think this is why I'm so passionate about supporting other writers you know in actually developing their their craft and looking at what works what doesn't work the flow the show don't tell the point of view mm. but I'm also very good at reminding them that You know, everyone says, show, don't tell, show, don't tell. But there are times where show, don't tell is is okay. It's okay to tell. You know, rules are there to be broken. It's just knowing when and how to do it. And I think that's the other thing that a lot of new writers get hung up about. It's, Mm. oh, but that's a rule. I can't can't have the word was. I can't use the word just. I can't use the word really. You can, but not 50,000 times. (laughs) You know, it's... (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And sometimes you have to write it out because you're just typing away on your first draft. I'm sure if you're writing 15,000 words a day, some of them probably are going to get cut or, you know, once you slow down, you'll go back and say, okay, what's a better verb for that? Yeah. But not to put pressure on yourself as a new writer that it has to be, you know, 50,000 words a day that are perfect. (laughs) Yeah yeah exactly exactly so tell us a little bit about alexander and maria because that got published during covid um, you yeah. brought that out last year was it has it been yeah, a year was, already yeah it was
1: last year in december actually so it was a nice highlight it was a nice finish to the to a very long year yes <laughs> stressful for, for so many people and it was published by a publisher in canterbury as well so My first two novels were self-published, and this one is represented by the Conrad Press. And the experience has been totally different. I mean, you know, good on the whole, but I miss that control Mm. over things. I kind of like having control over, you know, when it came out and, you know, being able to check how many copies I'm selling and that kind of thing. But having said that, the Conrad Press really supported, you know, the vision I had for the book, you know, that the cover was what I wanted. The one thing that I had to compromise on was the title because I had a completely different title to start with. And uh, they persuaded, yeah, of course. It was originally, trust is a big word. Oh, I like that. They didn't like that. I mean, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I must admit, I was pretty heartbroken when it was like a big, no, there's no way you can use that. So eventually we settled on Alexander and Maria. And for a long, long time, it felt like Alexander and Maria wasn't my story. It didn't feel like my book. It had lost its identity somehow. But now that it's out there and it's selling well and the reviews are coming in and I absolutely love the cover as well. I mean, Shara, um, who designed the cover for me, did an amazing job. I absolutely love it. Yes. You know, I, I can see that Alexander Maria is, is, a, is a good enough title for it.
0: <laughs> it's funny, though, because a lot of things that we love, as writers like the turn of phrase or the title we come up with or whatever other people a little bit further along than us will say cut it and you think what yeah <laughs> you know, like yeah oh, that's,
1: that's, that's, so crazy. Crazy. Oh
0: that's nuts uh, I do like that title I, I don't know maybe you can write a short story or something so do you yeah. um <laughs> will you go along with the press the next time or will you go back to indie publishing They do have an option to look
1: at the next book first, but I don't have Mm. to offer it to them if I don't want to. I'm actually thinking of setting up my own publishing company Mm. and actually helping other writers navigate that that part of their journey. Because what being published through the Conrad Press has given me is the option to be picked up by Waterstones and other individual bookshops, which I haven't easily had with being self-published. Although sure. I have, after a long, long time and a huge struggle, managed to get The Summer Will Come into two bookshops in Nicosia in Cyprus, which is an nice. absolutely amazing feat. Yeah, <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, yeah, so I'm really pleased about that yeah yeah so of course you know there are advantages and disadvantages you know being self-published for me has meant that my book is only available on the Amazon platform you know has it done well it's done brilliantly well for me but I need to consider that there are many many readers who won't buy on Amazon you know for their own reasons Then, and, and In recent times as well with what's been going on, I I can kind of understand that as well, why people hesitate to buy on Amazon. So, you know, in a way, I'm kind of shrinking my market by being self-published. And then, of course, being published, although it shouldn't, does kind of give you that reputability that is Mm -hmm. still linked with being published by a publisher. You know, people still consider that, oh wow, you've done really well now, haven't you? You know, they they don't think about all the books that I've sold before on my own. It's just now I've done well, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of that that stamp of approval if somebody else approves of your book. Yeah. I I love the fact that we can indie publish, but the truth is when anyone can publish, anyone can publish. And sometimes people don't don't edit their books and there's a as you said there's pros and cons and I'm not sure that it will ever go away that being picked up by a publisher gives you that extra edge I mean yeah and maybe rightly so because there are way more people reading it before it gets published saying yeah this is worth publishing and you know there's always that balance there we could probably argue that over and over in in circles yeah (laughs) you know what though
1: Kat there's pros and cons with both you know and Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm not going to diss indie publishing because I absolutely love being an indie publisher, you know, with the other two books. They, they're selling tremendously well. The second book is a book-to-movie project as well, which is really exciting. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I know. I can't believe it myself. And it's also being translated into Greek as well. So I'm hoping to fingers crossed find a greek publisher to distribute the book in greek for me so there's lots happening and i've achieved a lot as an indie you know Mm -hmm. as well and i'm very proud and i've read some amazing books by indie published um, authors you know that you 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 can't fault some of the books that i've read you know i mean absolutely incredible and equally i've read published books that i thought oh really (laughs)
0: I know. Isn't so, it funny? You think, yeah, like, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. There, there is a funny thing. I do think the publishing world is a tiny bit behind the indie world because you can do a lot of things. You have all control of your book, you know? Yeah. So you can choose what to do. That's amazing that you yeah. have a book to movie. Oh my gosh. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> and getting things translated is a difficult thing. I mean, at least you yeah. speak Greek, you read Greek, so you can you know, yeah, have a little I'm, control over that process.
1: Yeah, I'm working with a fabulous translator based in Sheffield, so she's in the UK. And I'm doing the what she would normally have had to pay someone else to do so that the read-through and the edit I'm mm. doing. So we are working very much collaboratively which has, you know, reduced the cost of getting the translation yeah. done for me because I'm obviously putting the bill for that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's brilliant and it's it's been an amazing journey. I mean, we're, where are we? We're in September now. So it's due to be fully completed by the end of December. So by the end of this year, I should be able to hold a, a total manuscript in Greek for the summer will come. <laughs>
0: that's amazing oh my gosh what a yeah. great Christmas present for your family like yeah that's so cool oh my gosh that's really cool and I think the control over that process is interesting and and important there's a a Mexican writer who is a bit upset about how they translate I, she wrote it in English so she's Mexican-American yeah it was a bit upset about how they translate it into castilian spanish and not mexican yes. spanish yeah. but when you sign on that dotted line with the traditional publisher yeah you don't have the control you can complain all no. you want which will probably only cost you your next book <laughs> really yeah. like, it's not yeah. like they will change it so yeah there's definitely ups and downs and you know everything's a journey both sides of the aisle definitely yeah yeah Oh, well, I've had such a good time chatting with you. I think we could go on for another two hours, but oh, I want everyone yeah. to check out your books. Um, Alexandra and Maria was what was just published last December. And if anybody reads Greek, uh, <laughs> you will have, uh, the summer will come. That's the great, the one set in Cyprus, correct? I want to get sure right, I'm getting yeah. that correct. All right. So I will have all the links in the show notes. Oh, and if you so are much. a writer, definitely check out Sula, because. I really think it is important. I talk all the time about how getting feedback is important. Finding somebody to mentor you is important. And I think you are a great testament to it's not just for the 20-year-olds. Like pursuing yeah. a new creative career is not just something if you've considered it or never considered it. I mean, we have a lot of life to live. We need we have. to try <laughs>
1: You know, we have cat. You're so right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've got, I've actually got a quote that I think's already gone out on my Instagram, and it's about, you know, live your whole life. You know, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s. Don't get to 50 and then think, oh, you know, that's it. Or get to 60 and say that's it. Just keep on going for as long as you can, and for as long as you're here and i think if if covid has taught us anything it's that you know live every day you know to to the best and to the way that you makes you happy and and is rewarding and live with purpose and love and excitement and
0: yes yeah absolutely yeah. yeah we have a lot to say at our age i mean we know more <laughs> yeah, we do <laughs> You know, we have stuff to say. We, <laughs> <laughs> and it's always interesting to note, like, how different your books might have been had you written them 20 years before. You know, oh, yeah. not, not knowing what you know now. I mean, I think that we need to embrace that. Yeah. Um, to not think of, like, oh, I should have started. Cause I, and I'm talking to myself here, cause I get caught <laughs> up in that sometimes of like, oh my gosh, you know, how many years have gone by? Like, oh, yeah. Just keep going forward
1: exactly exactly oh it's been brilliant talking to you today
0: honestly thank you
1: so much
0: yes thank you for coming on I will have the links in the show notes and if you want to see the cutest baby ever you need to go to Sula's Instagram (laughs) (laughs) thank you you so much
1: Kat thank you enjoy the rest of your week thank you you too
0: If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information and information on my creative writing community membership group.